Welcome to This Fleeting Breath, the podcast where a bunch of pastors get together and discuss the news of the week and the sermons that they heard on Sunday morning. This is Jesse Ramsey. And I'm Heath Chambers. Let's go to the basement. All right, welcome to this week's edition of This Fleeting Breath. I'm here today with um, a very special uh, member of our church. Many of you will know her. It's Miss Wendy Ramsey. Uh, she is the director of the Options Clinic here in Newport. Um, and so I just want to give her a minute to kind of introduce herself, and she can tell you whether or not she's related to my cohort over here. Um, Listen, well, she don't have to tell you. I'll tell you. She's my <laughs> wife. Uh-oh. <laughs> here we go. Yeah, so this has been a, a special week for Options. Um, it was our banquet, and so I really appreciate you all letting me come on. Um, just talk about Options. So Options, um, this was actually our fifth banquet, uh, my third. And, um, you know, the first banquet that we did was just to get it started. Um, Options, of course, is a pro-life organization center here in town. Um, and it started out with just the vision of there are girls here that need help that are thinking about abortion. And um, then that's sort of kind of how the ball got rolling. Of course, you know, the first house of Options was here, literally in this basement, um, right next door was the bathrooms that I did all the pregnancy tests in uh, when I first became director here. Um, and it's gotten a lot bigger. Um, two years ago, well, it'll be two years this October, we were able to move into our hopefully permanent location from now on over on Duncan Street. We've really been able to see a lot of growth. Um, you know, our whole goal at Options is not just to be, of course, we're pro-life, mm -hmm. but we're pro-life more beyond um, the baby. You know, we're, we, our center works a lot with um, girls. We've worked with grandmothers, dads, foster parents, adoptive parents. You know, our goal is just to be um, a resource, a help for families. Um, so I, I said this at the banquet, but just to give you a, you guys an idea, because Heath, you all, you weren't there, your family was sick, I don't know how that goes. Um, the first year was just to get started in the banquet. The second year, they had one client. That was before I was the director. Then the third banquet, uh, we had 12. And then um, as of this banquet, which was last Tuesday, we have 151 clients that we've wow. seen at Options now. So. That's amazing. That that uh, you guys were literally the basement before before the basement, right? That's right yeah. Um, <clears throat> tell us a little bit about how you b became involved in options, becoming the director, because that's a really cool story. Yeah. So Jesse and I, um, we got invited to actually a pregnancy center's banquet in Jeff City. And LOC, they had been around a long time. Kathy Gleason is a great woman. She's mentored me a lot as director of, of Newport of Options. And it was just something he and I were, were really interested in. We started giving monthly um, to LOC. We started being involved with their center, going to the banquet. Um, and then the position came open for director. And, and it's actually really random because, Heath, you've known me a lot longer than most people. But Jesse was like, um, I think you need to pray about taking the director's job. And let me just say, the kind of woman that I am, typically I'd be like, oh, you think I should do something? <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't, you know? Um, but, but, I was really stepping out on faith, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but God God just nailed it down that it was something that, you know, Jesse and I both had been passionately about together way before Options. And of course, when we found out about Options in Newport, we started going to their banquet and giving to Options locally. Um, so it was something that we were both passionately about are passionate about and um, God has definitely done the equipment because to say that I was not equipped would probably be a very big understatement yeah. for that. It's so funny you know I think back about how 
options got its start, you know, with um, Dr. Brown and, and the gentleman who had, you know, had, had invested so much in, in trying to get it going. And, and um, there was a group of people together. Options already kind of had like a, um, a kind of like a board of directors. You know, they weren't really official yet, mm-hmm. but it was just this, this group of people who had this passion that knew that Newport needed a, a you know, um, um, a pregnancy center, you know. And um, I'll never forget me and Mark Robertson, and were you in that conversation? I don't think you were. I don't think so. Me and Mark and uh, maybe somebody else. And, I, you know, we just, Mark and I got to talking, and we were, we were talking about how many, how many children um, are aborted each day. Mm-hmm. And then about that same time, we had been to um, LOC's banquet, and they always give the report about, you know, the numbers like what Wendy was saying about how many clients they've seen. And what's really cool about that, those, those 150 clients that, that Wendy's talking about, um, that's not just, you know, get the baby here. You know, she, she follows uh, those families for two years, you know. So mm-hmm. she made a really neat um, connection at the banquet that the last time we actually got to have an in-person banquet, you know, some of the girls that were pregnant at that banquet, their babies are just now getting to the age where they're aging out of the program. Wow. And so it's, it's really neat. And the amount of time that they get to invest in these, in these families is, is, is key, is crucial to what the ministry does. But back to what I was saying, we, we were just looking at those numbers. And I mean, Mark, I'm, I remember sobbing. We were both so burdened. Mm-hmm. And we went... To Randy and told you know we had this big conversation Randy our pastor about we have got to get this going we cannot wait another day we can't wait another day yeah. we can't wait another day and um, you know our church came together and we had all this extra space down here that we weren't using and um, and then there we go you know um, it was uh, it was just it was it was a real neat and humbling experience you know and it's funny that you know, the way, the way the Lord, you know, kind of works things out, you know, yeah. and then three, three or so years later from that, Wendy's the, Wendy's the director at, at the pregnancy center. And, and she is, she's so good. She's, you know, I, I, I said at the, of course he has to say that. <laughs> yeah. I'm stepping out on faith again. No, I just, you know how it is when you live with somebody. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, you know what they're burdened about, what they're, you know, what stresses them, what worries them and, you know, it's definitely, it's not, it's not a nine to five job. Yeah. You know, it's not like, you know, flipping burgers at McDonald's or something. You don't just walk in and put your apron on and then when your shift's over, you walk out. And so, and Wendy definitely carries a lot of that with her. And so she is, she's great at her job. She's, you know, it's, uh, it's so wonderful. What little bit I get to see her interact with, yeah, with the, the clients at Options, it's so, it's so reassuring that, you know, God definitely had a plan for her in this moment, and this was, this was it. Definitely. Um, talk to me a little bit, Wendy, about statistics locally. What are, what, obviously, we don't have necessarily an abortion clinic here mm-hmm. in Newport, but what statistics can you tell us about abortion rates in Newport and, and you know, how, how big of a problem is it? So... 
technically we don't know abortion rates because of what you said because all of our girls are going to go to the to cherry street in knoxville mm -hmm. that's our closest um, abortion center so knowing um exactly what it is in newport is hard to know so when you when you think statistically you think um you know in a room the statistics just in general for women is one to three to one in four women have had an abortion um, you know, what we're seeing, it's a little bit different because Newport is so conservative mm -hmm. that which is also one of the reasons that Newport's, you know, teen pregnancy rate is, is quite a bit higher than uh, a lot of other places. I know at one point, and I've actually not seen it since this whole COVID thing, but in, in the past, you know, at least in the, the close five years, we were the top in Tennessee for teen pregnancy. Wow. Um, so, you know, we are a life centered place and right. so we see a lot more of the the teen pregnancy um you know so i i think that the thing that i would say about newport is abortion is an issue um but the reason that i think that options is so good is because my women we serve as a community mm -hmm. so you know um when girls come in any abortion-minded girl it's about how am i going to do this where am i going to get my support um, how can I afford this? Will it change my life? And what's great, I, can't, I cannot say this enough about Newport, is it's not just options, but it is anybody that we work with with one of our girls is, is willing to stand in the gap. Whether mm -hmm. it's you know, somebody through Save the Children, whether it's somebody through you know, some organization at the high school, a teacher, um, a church liaison. I mean, there's, it, the community of Newport makes... Um, it a place to where abortion can really be less than yeah. I think in a lot of other places because people really are willing to stand in the gap for for our clients and yeah. their and their babies. So and that's a that's an important aspect of of options. Not just you know we focus on the abortion because I think you know as a pastoral staff we are so passionate about um, the end of abortion in America, um, worldwide obviously, but you know, um, but. You mentioned teen pregnancy options. Had like let's just talk to me a little bit about what what would a typical girl who has become pregnant and is seeking help from options? What would what would the steps be like? What what is the the I don't know the arc of how you minister to them? Sure. So um, you know we offer for a teenager. Let's just you know let's go there. Um, we work closely with some of the people at the high school. So if she needs help as far as continuing her work, being encouraged at high school to go, um, it's actually you know really funny. I have done a lot of stuff that uh, I didn't know I would do. I had to had to study a long time to be able to pass my driver's test again to help one of our girls pass wow. her driver's <laughs> test. So that was really humbling yeah. about you know, but. Um, so we, we, we hook them up with resources that they may need. If they need housing, we hook them up with housing. Um, we have helped girls tell their parents that they're pregnant. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's one of the beginning big fears is how in the world do I tell my parents that I'm pregnant? And so, uh, you know, we're, we're willing to do that, to sit down with them and the parents and just to help them or just to help them write out how they're gonna, gonna tell their parents. We, um, are re we work really closely with all the doctors here in town. So, you know, Dr. Mathers is great. He's told me that if we have a client walk in at eight months and, and three weeks and she's never seen a doctor to call him and he'll get her in. Hmm. Um, and so just connecting them. And, you know, the thing about it, too, is that I say about options is I have so many volunteers. It's I'm, I'm actually, you know, Jesse and I wasn't I didn't get pregnant when I was a teenager. I've not had an abortion. So as far as like being able to relate as far as testimony goes or to life 
comparison. I can't. Mm-hmm. But God has blessed options so much that I can say that's why it's such a, a good community. As I can say, you know what, Marla, you had a, you had a teen pregnancy. You've had uh, an, an abortion. Will you walk in and will you talk? Will you counsel with this girl? Because she can come directly from that. And so, uh, you know, a lot of times what we're seeing with our clients is they come in for the education that option gives them about as much as they come in just to vent, just to talk about what's going on with their pregnancy, what's going on with their life. Um, and so, you know, one of our arcs, of course, is the education. We, we, we have ed classes that can get them all the way through pregnancy, through their toddler years, through infancy, um, through breastfeeding, postpartum, even on up into teenage years, which we all need parenting classes for mm-hmm. that. And, um, but really, it's just doing life with them, you know, like just, just giving them um, somebody to do life with and to, to, to be honest with you, to talk the gospel with it. There's nothing that we do, there's not a meeting that we do that Christ is not mentioned, is not centered, at least in our, in our hearts, yeah. you know. Amen. All right, last thing, I know I've sort of led the conversation, I'm sorry, Jesse, but um, how, how can people support options? Whether they, if they're here in Newport, how can they support it? Or if they're across the, you know, we're just talking about the Eastern Seaboard at this mm-hmm. point is um, listening to the podcast. So how can, how can they support you? Yeah, so um, we have a Facebook, we have an Instagram, we have a Twitter, and um, we have, have a website, um, optionsnewport.com. You can go on there, um, support us that way. If you go onto our Facebook, there's a QR code that you can just scan. It'll take you straight to our, our giving platform. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's how you can give and, and learn more because, you know, there's, we also have abortion recovery, sexual abuse recovery. So I would encourage everybody, even if you don't give, just to learn more about, about what we're doing. Awesome. So since we have Wendy here today, um, I thought it would be great for her to speak into some of what's going on in the world right now. Um, for those of you who are passionate about pro-life and are interested, there's been a lot of things happening here recently. And of course, with Wendy um, fulfilling the role that she does, she's, she's pretty knowledgeable. She's pretty up to date on what's going on. And so um, she sent this article to Heath and I about the future of abortion. And to be perfectly honest with you, it was, it was, um, it was angering um, and very scary mm-hmm. um, at what kind of access our children are gonna have to, without our knowledge <laughs> or consent, uh, what kind of uh, abortion alternative and options they're gonna have access to. Uh, Wendy, why don't you just, just jump in and tell us a little bit about it. So the article I sent is, of course, talking to you all about the um, and the rise, especially in COVID, because everything's telehealth. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we've we've all we've all been there. Everything's Zoom. Uh, the rise of the abortion abortion pill, the the medication. Now, this is not a new thing. It's been out since you know since we were in college. To, oh my gosh, when we were in high school, 2000 is when these pills got approved. So this is not a new thing. And we're not talking about over the counter like Plan B type bill top pills. This is, this is prescriptive medicine. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, of course, during COVID, when the rise of telehealth has started, now there are um, teleabortions, pretty much, is, is what, you know, they're seeing on the rise. And, you know, 60% of abortions have been done in a clinic, and that's changing rapidly because of this and the access of this. 
-hmm. And um, I think that this is a thing that we're going to have to be ready for. Um, I, you know, for me, and this article said it too, but I, I, I think it too. I, I don't think, I think that COVID was just the beginning of mm -hmm. this becoming uh, um, available to, to girls, to women. Uh, but I think it's going to stick. I think the restrictions mm -hmm. that have come because of COVID will stick with this. I think that this is going to be something that, that's going to stick. Um, tell tell us how that works. What does that look like? So tell uh, if you know. Let's let's pretend that I, I'm pregnant. That I'm I'm a I'm a young woman. Let's say I'm you know, 18, 20 years old, and I find out I'm pregnant and I want to have a tele abortion. What does that look like? So you you have to have access. You know, one of the things that they'll say even on Planned Parenthood's website is that you have to have access to to be able to zoom. So you got to have a microphone. Um, you got to have a computer, smart device, but most, most girls do. Uh, and you'll just meet with a doctor. He'll go over with you. Um, you know, do you understand um, what, you're, what you're considering doing? Um, and then they will, they can, if, you know, if, if you're approved to, to get this. It's not legal in all states. That's something, that, you know, that's really important um, to say. The thing that's scary about it, though, is, is it's looking like, even if it's not legal in your state, you will be able to be mailed from another state. So like it's not legal in Tennessee, but it's legal in Georgia. Um, so, you know, will they be able to send it to girls in, in Tennessee? Probably, it's two pills. Um, but one thing, you know, I do wanna say for anybody that's listening to this is it can be reversed. So if a girl was to take the first pill, there is a reversal pill, it's just harder to find. Uh, or harder to get to. Mm. Um, you know, the thing that for me is, is and, and I, Jesse knows this, I don't try to get mixed up in the politics and I really don't know much about the medical thing. I just, I just learn the basics and the, the, of what I see of women. And the thing about abortion is that it is something that eats away and it is a decision of a woman that she has to make privately nine times out of 10. Nine times out of 10, unless somebody drives her, she has to make this decision mm -hmm. on her own. This makes it so much more private that that's what's scary to me, is that there are gonna be young women in their homes. Yeah. I mean, pretty much miscarrying, you know, in their homes and they have to deal with that. That's, that's Nobody cool. looking, nobody yeah. knowing. Comes Nobody the checking yeah. on them. Comes the, in the mail for that teledoc is not calling back and asking how you're doing, no, Sally. No. Definitely. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm just sitting here thinking, I, you know, I can't talk about this subject without, you know, talking about, you know, thinking about the pain um, that comes with just a, not, a, not an abortion, just a miscarriage. Just, you know, the pain that, that Ashley and I went through losing a child um, during during a pregnancy and you know just you're never the same you're never the same and and there was nothing that either of us could have could have done to change that outcome but then to to multiply that with that it was a, a decision that I made to do that yeah. um, I, I can't imagine I can't imagine the burden that it is I can't imagine the the psychological pain, the psychological changes that happen. Um, I just, I can't imagine. And, 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 here's, and here's the thing, and I don't want to sound um, judgmental because I, I, I'm not, I don't want to sound that way. But, you know, in scripture we read about child sacrifice. And we read about, you know, Canaanites and, and specifically the Amorites who, um, 
who offered their children up to Moloch um, for, you know, whatever it may be, you know, for, for um, prosperity, essentially. Um, and that seems so foreign to us. You know, when we think about it in, in, in biblical terms of, of that happening and, and how from the get-go, you know, for Israel, the law was do not, do not put your kids upon the altar for, to Molech. And, you know, I, I feel like that there is a, there is a, um, a cultural sort of um, shift that is happening, and it has been happening, I think, through our adolescent years and, and through our early adult years, um, where, where we've gone from, you know, abortion being a regrettable action to now you have a culture where uh, on things like social media and, um, <clears throat> you know, Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff where it's almost celebrated. It's a, um, a celebrity type of thing. You, you, you can become famous off of your TikTok videos about abortion, right? And, and, and um, I just, pride. yeah, I'm thinking about that and I'm thinking, look, I, I know that it's, it's got to be a, a gut-wrenching decision. It's got to be something that, that, takes time and thought and and to end up on the side of 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 performing the abortion i i can't imagine but here here's where i'm at with this that and this is where i don't want to sound judgmental and, and wendy you can speak to this but aren't we in a way uh don't we have a culture now where uh young girls and women who are choosing to have a having have abortions are essentially sacrificing their children on the altar of convenience or a less hard life or you know some other whatever you want to put in put on their prosperity for themselves over the child in their womb um isn't it the same isn't it isn't it sort of you know the same sort of thing happening mm -hmm. so i would say first of all there are a lot of things in society that i think has changed to make this more ready available. Um, we have to talk about the lack of fathers in the home. You can't, men, I mean, you know, women carry the burden, but we all know that, you know, and so I, I will say that, that I will say that that's a big deal too. I would say that, that men play a huge mm. part in this decision making uh, to, for a woman to get an abortion. Um, I think, you know, the thing that I see more common is that a lot of times they don't know. They don't know. That's why the heartbeat bills are so important is because they literally have been told it's not life. I mean, I wish, you know, when we have these models of these babies at different ages mm -hmm. and it starts at five weeks, which most heartbeat bills are six weeks and below. And at five weeks, there's no question. You can look at this baby. We have it. It's the same size. They have no idea. I mean, when those girls see that, even the ones that want to keep it, I'm not, you know, not all of them, of, of course, that come to options or they don't understand. So I will say that that's one thing is that I think a lot of them has been told it's not viable yet. You know, it's not what the, God's word says. Mm -hmm. You know, we know that God knit us together in the womb and that's a huge deal. And so for us who've been raised in the church, we know the truth. 
but they don't. Yeah. For them, it's when is this baby viable outside of your body? And I think that that's the reason that this pill is so scary. It's because then it's just her. Yeah. She decides what she does without, in my opinion, good <laughs> advice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Without, without hearing reasoning. But I, I, to speak on the scripture, yes. I, I mean, a million times over, I think, you're, I think you're right. But I think it's not just the woman, you know, young girls making that decision. I think it's something that has been for years now ingrained in them, ingrained yeah. in us as a society um, in a lot of different ways. Yeah, even, I mean, I don't, I don't know what you think about this, Jesse, but, you know, you have a, a big family, you know, I have a big family. Um, there is a certain amount of, of judgment that comes along with if you have more than, you know, one or one, two children, one and a half yeah. kids, yeah, you know, a dog and a white picket fence, mm -hmm. right? There is, it, it is, it is. We don't um, have a dog. Well, we I'm have a deer, kidding. though. That's yeah. just, just we kidding. Do. We, do. we do have a deer, yeah. Um, my, my point being is, is we've gone from, you know, American sort of uh, values being the family structure to, to it is, it is countercultural at this mm -hmm. point to have more than one or two kids. It's, it's countercultural to, to uh, be involved in your, in, in your family's life. In your children's lives. Yeah, yes. I mean, it's, it's just like children have become, mm -hmm. in the eyes of our culture, a plague upon us, right? Mm -hmm. that, that they you know, exist is an inconvenience um, and, you know, sort of a, a necessary evil mm -hmm. for, you know, reproducing or repopulating the earth. But, but do you feel that? Yeah, that? yeah. It reminds me a lot, actually, of, you know, I, there's, there's two, I actually see that two, twofold. I remember a, a former pastor of ours who always used to talk about elevating children. Mm -hmm. and, and I see, I do see that. I see that as, as part of the reason that maybe with this younger generation that there is such a movement towards abortion um, because, you know, I can, I can think of lots of, of people who once they had children, it's almost like their lives just stop, mm -hmm. you know, and then everything becomes about, not about the child because that's, that is completely different but about the child's activities yeah, and what the, the child's... Yeah. Th exactly. That's it. That's, it. That's exactly That's right. Exactly the right. image of this child yeah. and this perfect child and everything they're going to do. And, you know, and then, of course, that's a lot of, that's a lot of, that's a lot of weight to carry everywhere you look, mm -hmm. you know. And so I, I do, I, and I, but I think that plays into what you're saying because it's, it's, you've got the, the other side of the coin is, you know, I have, I have invested everything into this child or, like you said, it's it's a burden, and you know, you know, I'm not gonna have more than one kid because I don't wanna have to take care of more than one kid. You know, whatever yeah. the case may be. And so, I, there there was one other thing that I wanted to talk about, and you kind of it's kind of bridging the gap a little here. I want to play the devil's advocate for just a second because <clears throat> when we first started talking about this, we were talking about an 18 year old, 20 year old girl who found herself, you know, pregnant and and wanting an abortion. So. I'm going to play devil's advocate for a, a few minutes here. So now let's pretend that I'm 12 years old and I am pregnant and I am considering abortion. So what does that process look like with the tele-abortion? 
So, you know, I don't know if you've done any research on this, Heath, but I, I get all my information from Planned Parenthood because obviously we're not giving abortions at, at um, right. options. And so a telehealth doctor from 12 to 16 would decide whether or not that girl truly understood what she wanted. And if that telehealth doctor decided that she really understood what it meant to happen to her for an abortion without consent, she could get the, the pill sent to her in the mail. And that to me is so scary because um, when you look at what are the, some of the side effects of this pill, you know, girls that are that young don't even know their bodies well enough to know if their medical background fits to make this safe for them, you know. Um, I do want to say one thing, Heath, that you hit the nail on the head talking about um, it being almost bad to have more children. That's actually the most, the, the quickest rising number uh, statistically is women that already have children um, right. that are wanting an abortion. And, uh, you know, uh, one thing that I'll say to that is I tell my girls all the time at options, you're never going to see the mom that's covered in throw up and poop and her hair is looking like crap posting on social media about how awesome it is to yeah. be a mom but that's reality that's more reality that I don't know what the heck I'm doing you know and I just think um, that it's what this article said is that we are moving from abortion being in the clinics to being in the homes mm -hmm. and if we if if, if, if how we, will we know pro-life people though how are we gonna know is we've got to be involved we've not just got to be truly involved in our own kids lives but we've got to be involved in the youth, you know, at, at options. I want to be involved in, in my girl's life that I know what's going on with them. Because yeah. um, Penny Nance, she says something that, you know, we always think that this, you know, abortive-minded girl is just this powerful woman because that's, that's what society gives us. But they're more like a fox trapped huh. in, a, in, a, you know, in a cage that's willing to gnaw their leg off to get out of it. That's how they feel. I've got to do this to save my life. Mm. Um, and so I think that we've got to start being more real as a pro-life, mm. not just about what it truly means to be a parent and what a truly gift your baby is, but that, you know, it's hard, but we're here for you. And that mm. the only thing, and I think you guys would probably say amen to this a million times, is the only thing that ever for me that makes parenting easier, I have peace about it, is to know that even though I mess up, they're the Lord's. Yeah. They're only mm. to me on borrowed time, yeah. you know. It's, yeah. I think it's so important. And we, I know, <clears throat> have had this conversation privately, but, you know, this whole telehealth abortion type deal, it just reminds me so much that, you know, we can stand outside of abortion mills and we can, you know, we can, uh, you know, make our Facebook page full of things that, you know, talk about abortion and we can support options and all of that stuff. But until, you know, this and and the next article we're going to talk about you know until we are willing to i don't even say willing but until we can find a way to to impact the culture mm. then then this is never going to change never. you know we can we can try to say end abortion right but until we have a culture that says that abortion is wrong it is evil in the sight of the lord and that it's and that people way. you know adhere to that then and I don't know how much progress we're really, really making, and that only comes through the preaching of the gospel. That's the only way that, that, that it's, it's going to change. And so um, we have to become people who are willing to engage with the culture, willing to engage 
um, in those hard conversations and be willing to step out on a limb, you know. And the other thing is, here, here's Heath's sermon, okay. I'm trying not to be too pastoral here, but the way in which we, we have an advantage because the secular world is killing their children and the Christian world is not. And if you, if you just play the numbers game, right? If you just play the numbers game here, then, then you have to understand that, that we, are, we are grazing up a generation, you know, which, which should far outnumber the generation that the world is raising up. And so we have to be people, you know, willing to fulfill the, the biblical command of, of fill the earth. You know, yeah. um, and so it's just I think it's so important that we understand that, look, our children, we, you know, sounds so cliche to say our children are the future. But but those of us who are willing to invest the time in uh, being mothers and fathers and raising them in a Christian home and catechizing them the way that we did uh, in this week's episode and just have those conversations, then we begin to raise up a generation who has those moral values that they're so lacking in our generation that has led to just such a uh, epidemic of of abortion well you know you really you really kind of hit it and you know we have to speak into the culture and that starts at home Mm -hmm. that's just the that's where it starts because we can't you know we don't have any control anywhere else but but we can we can speak truth to our children amen for me pro-life begins and ends with the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's how we're going to end it. It's how we're going to end abortion is with the gospel. It's mm-hmm. it. I mean, it's the only thing. It's what you said. But I also think that if if God's people are truly going to be pro-life, it's got to be womb to tomb. You know, we've got to be about people. We've mm-hmm. got to be willing to stand in the gap, um, not just to defend the, the, the babies, but to just stand in the gap for all the innocent people that are being, you know, whatever. So that's what I would say. Pro-life is really pro-gospel at the end of the day. Amen. So last on our list tonight, we've got an article uh, that talks about the state of abortions in Texas and uh, what some Texas Texas legislators have done to try to uh, effective and very effectively they have uh, for the moment halted um, Planned Parenthood. And so, uh, Wendy, why don't you just kind of give us a little idea about what it is that they're trying to do in Texas. Well, it's not just they've halted Planned Parenthood, any abortion clinics right now. So the thing that the big topic is everybody wants to know how in the world has Texas finally passed a heartbeat bill and the Supreme Court didn't knock it down, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's been other states that have done that. Well, the way they did it is they gave the power to the people. So it's not a policeman, it's not a judge, it's not a governor that's going to be suing um, the, the abortion clinics in Texas. It's going to be citizens. So, you know, you find out that a girl that's more than six weeks pregnant um, goes, gets an abortion anywhere, you can sue that facility as a, as a Texas citizen. Um, you cannot just sue the abortion clinic. You can, you can sue the person that drove her there, that influenced her getting there. Uh, and so it just puts a lot of weight on a lot of people. And, and to be honest with you, as a, as a pro-life person, I hear all the time like, well, you're, you're pro-life, you want the babies to be born, are you willing to invest? And of course, you all know at Options, we are willing to invest. We put our money where our mouth is, and we put mm-hmm. our time where our heart is. Well, to be honest with you, I would say to the pro-choice people in Texas, 
you're ready to put your money where your mouth is, mm-hmm. you know, because you're willing to say that girls should get an abortion as they have the right to choose. Are you willing to drive them and get sued? Are you willing to stand with them? Are you willing to, to get sued and, and do those? I, I think the, the ball's in their court now. You know, they keep, they keep saying that to us pro-life people. Are you willing to take care of the babies that you don't want to be aborted? Yeah. Are, you know, are you willing to put yourself out there? Are you willing to die on this cross? Yeah. I, I, it's such an interesting, uh, I guess, turn of events, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not something that I think would have ever entered into my mind as a way to combat abortion um, in a state. But essentially, you know, what, you're right. What they're doing is putting the, the, the power into the hands of uh, the people, um, now, uh, you know, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but in, Wendy was talking about being sued. Um, yes, you can, anyone can be sued involved in the situation except for the girl. The girl. The girl. Yeah. I thought that was very, very interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I read this and I think um, what, what you said are, are, are uh, people who are pro-choice or, or organizations that are pro-choice going to be willing to, to, to foot the bill for this sort of thing. And I think that probably what you'll see is that, pe- that many of them will be mm-hmm. um, yeah. willing to just pay off the, the lawsuits. But um, Yeah, Lyft and Uber have already come out that they'll pay for any driver that takes a girl. They'll yeah. cover the, the expense. Wow. So. They're actually kind of, you know, alluded to in this article that, you know, that if, if the Uber or Lyft driver is, um, you know, is hired to take a girl to an abortion clinic or the destination of her abortion, whatever it is, um, that, that that Uber driver can be named in the lawsuit. And like Wendy was saying, as of what, last night or early this morning, sometime they made an announcement that said that Lyft would pay the legal fees and fines of any of their drivers who are caught up in such litigation. Mm. Yeah, I think. I mean, look. I think it's a band aid. I mm-hmm. think. I think it's. It's a. It's a hail mary. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't know that it's. It's. It's a long term solution. I don't think it's maybe even a short term solution. But uh, it definitely raises some questions. But it goes back to what we were talking about in the last segment. That you know, the the end of abortion is only going to come when we uh, begin to you know infiltrate the culture with the gospel. And, and until that happens. There will always be Lyft and Ubers because here's the thing. Lyft and Uber are, are just corporations, and they're going to do whatever the, the majority thinks, right? They're going to they're gonna play to, you know, that. The money. The money, yeah, exactly. And, and so, you know, until the culture has changed, until the culture begins to shift back towards morality, then, then I don't think that I think you're going to continue to see uh, these sort of things happen. One, uh, we've talked about it on the podcast before, um, but next year the Supreme Court will take up this, um, is it Dobbs or something? It's Dobbs versus, uh, Dobbs versus uh, Jackson's Women's Health Organizations. And essentially what, we, what, what will come up is Roe v. Wade. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that will be sort of a water mark moment for a watershed moment for um, where we are in terms of abortion, abortion ministry, um, things like that in, in the very near future. And I think everything up until that point will just be, like I said, a band-aid on a situation that probably won't 
won't last very long. But but that I think has uh, some significant teeth to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think you know the way that that goes. I think will will impact the way the abortion industry goes for the next probably you know fifty to hundred years. Mm. Um, if it, if it's anything like what Roe v. Wade did. Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely, is going to be the case that's that's going to make the decision if Roe v. Wade would be turned over. This one, you know, people have been pretty up in arms over this Texas bill, you know, I'm sure. But that's the one. That's really the one that's going to that's going to make turn the tides or not. We'll see how the Supreme Court stands on that. I just wish that people could hear the words abortion industry and realize that abortion was never about the choice of the mother or the the whatever. I mean, it has always been about the destruction of a life. Mm. And and in the world we live in now, it is an industry. It's it's uh, it's a profit center. And it's just <laughs> sometimes it is yeah. it's breathtaking to think about that that is survival for people that that's how they put food on their table and you know and and you know you get down into all these roads because people you know we talk about conscience Wendy and I have been you know reading this book or I've been trying to read this book and uh anyways um you know conscience is is relative you know and without the gospel enlightening that then what good is your conscience? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So these abortion providers and these people who work in these abortion clinics, you know, they're living by their own gospel. And I'm sure there are good people caught up in bad situations all over the place. But man, it's, you know, and, that, and that's something that we as Christians have to start doing too. We cannot look at, we cannot look at these people who are, are caught up into these situations and just assume that, They have no idea what they're doing, or they're, they're, you know, that everything about them is wrong, you know? Oh, yeah. Because our conscience is not their conscience. We didn't start in the same place, you know? And so, but it is, it's just, it's so sad and worrisome, you know, we have children uh, to think about, you know, what are the next 10 or 15 years going to look like when, you know, our young children are growing up and, and growing into young people? You know, what, what are going to be the things that shape them and form them outside of our homes, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and you hit on something important there. You know, we, we can't expect, I think this is what you meant, mm-hmm. you know, what you were trying to say is yeah. we can't expect sinners to act like saints, Saints, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and so too weren't, once were we, exactly. you know? Uh, so, and, and as far as the conscience is concerned, you know, the scripture teach, teaches pretty plain, plainly about, you know, the human heart and how deceitful and wicked that mm-hmm. it is. Um, so, you know, we, like I said, I think ultimately the watershed moment will be next year when this Dobbs versus uh, the Jackson Women's Health Organization decision comes. And, you know, I guess we'll see, you know, we'll see where we are with with that but but it has a, a huge potential to 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 shift uh the law of the land mm-hmm. um which is what you know people have been praying for for years and 
Um, but I, I, I really don't think, you know, back to, I keep going back to it, but I really don't think that even that will have a significant influence if um, the culture is not. If the hearts and minds of the people don't change, right. it's not going to have any effect. Well, the exactly. thing about it is, is, you know, this, like the Texas bill, I think I read that it said that it's going to save 150 babies a day. Wow. There, there, but there's women, 150 women that mm -hmm. desire that. Like, that desire is not going to change, mm -hmm. you know. And, and so that's why, you know, you all have heard me, especially you too, because you all, I, I will die on the cross that I'm for laws. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously for pro-life laws, but you're exactly right, Heath. It's just, it's not going to change. I mean, you know, I, I can get, like what you're saying, Jesse, they're not bad people because I look at girls and I know their circumstances and I am telling them that it is capable of them to keep a baby. But their circumstances is hard. Mm. And I think that there are, you know, are people that could be convinced if they didn't have the gospel that they were giving them good advice, you know. Mm. And so I think that I, I just, I love this podcast because even though we're talking about something like pro-life that is so political. I love that the three of us will just, at the end of the day, it's Christ or nothing. Yeah. Just, this is it. All right. Well, we certainly appreciate you guys being with us today. I hope that it's been uh, informative. I hope that it's been uh, encouraging for you. Um, and we will see you next week.